Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Downing Street says it is keeping a very close eye on rising COVID cases, but has no immediate intention to switch to its Plan B measures. So I'd start planning for Plan B measures coming in sometime next week if I were you. Hollywood actor Alec Baldwin accidentally shoots and kills a woman with a prop gun on the set of his latest film, a meta-horror project about predatory union-busting and dangerous cost-cutting measures on modern film sets. Jacob Rees-Mogg says Conservative MPs don't need to wear face masks in the House of Commons because they share a convivial fraternal spirit. In his case, the spirit is the ghost of a Victorian workhouse owner that's possessed the body of Walter the Softy from the Beano. And finally, the Queen refuses the Oldie of the Year award, saying you are only as old as you feel. That's certainly true for her son, Andrew, who this year celebrated his 17th birthday. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another episode of IC News. And yes, we know that things are bad again, and looking to get a lot worse in the next few weeks. But we have every intention of sticking to our plan, right up to the point where it becomes completely unfeasible to stick to our plan, and then we'll change our plan. But you won't be able to criticise us for changing our plan too late, because you'll only be criticising our decision to change our plan in hindsight. Even though I've literally just told you that we need to change our plan and that we know things are bad again and we could probably start doing something about it now if we actually wanted to. God, why are you not complaining all the time? A very bad thing happened recently and because of that it's mean of you to suggest that we're not very good at our jobs. Please just be nice to us and go and catch Covid quietly in a corner like a good boy. It's been a grand old week for Deja Vu, and it's been a grand old week for Deja Vu. The nation's doctors and scientific advisers are once again clamouring for the government to pick up the pace on introducing some very basic preventative measures that could ease the pressures on our NHS this winter. And the government are once again dawdling with all the decisive rigour of a muntjac court in full LED headlights. They're right, of course. We can't afford the economic cost of taking action now. Far better to delay. Again and then pay an even higher social and economic cost when we have to take more drastic action later. Again. Speaking of punting costs up the road until they grow so massive and devastating that they roll back and crush us all under their dreadful weight, this week we're focusing on climate change. With the COP26 summit just over a week away, Boris Johnson has been setting out Britain's stall as the cool new trendsetter for bold and ambitious climate action. He's done so with the announcement of his long-awaited plans for the country's carbon net-zero future, complete with a whole raft of excitingly vague policies that are typically light on detail, including the rather essential one like how big a carbon cut they would actually deliver. 
but you can't really blame him. It's not like Boris Johnson's administration has been particularly good at maths at any point, unless you count the sheer speed at which they can climb up to 150,000 in deaths. Joining us live from somewhere in the multiverse to discuss the government's long-awaited plans for achieving net zero, it's our resident conspiracy theorist, Danny Sutcliffe. No, 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 fuck you, no! I can't believe you've done this to me again, Sam. How many times do I have to tell you I've got no interest in this climate crisis bollocks? I hate hippies, Sam. I hate them! Danny, it's precisely your unwillingness to accept the scientific consensus that makes you perfect for these pieces. Action on climate change requires perhaps the broadest global consensus geopolitics has ever achieved, and that means winning over even the harshest sceptics. Well, I'm telling you now, you can shove your eat pumps and your wind farms up your ass. But you'd probably like that, wouldn't you, you little pervert? Making the little turbine spin every time you fart, powering the dynamo in your colon, sending the little spark of current up to your carbon-neutral nipple clamps. You make me sick. Fucking hell, Danny. Ooh, hell, he says. Well, you'd love hell, wouldn't you? You'd set up your little geothermal power plant, sucking up all the green energy from the devil's favourite magma like the massive fucking nerd you are. It's all a giant fucking con. A new world order trick to push us all towards total dependency on their grid. And you're walking blindfolded straight into it. Danny, society is already totally dependent on the grid. It's just that right now that grid is very much in the death grip of an unrepentant fossil fuels industry that we desperately need to free ourselves from in order to decarbonise. And your solution is gimmicky bollocks like 90,000 heat pumps, is it? Fuck that, mate. You want to know what's driving climate change, do you? I'm telling you now, it's not my gas boiler or my diesel car or the many, many tyres I burn on a weekly basis in my front garden. Danny, whatever your objections to the government's plans are, you should not be burning tyres in your garden. How else do you propose I keep the crows off me herbarium, exactly? The point I'm making, you sanctimonious know-it-all, is that pushing the cost of the massive overall we need to avoid a climate catastrophe onto us simple proles is a con. There's only one engine poisoning our planet, and its name is extractive capitalism, with its blind devotion to the unsustainable principle of eternal growth. Well, that's actually quite astute for you, Danny. I'm a very astute man, you bastard. I can see into the beating heart of the globalist machine. I have felt its oily rhythms washing over me, and inhaled the toxic fog of its poison dreams. You're high again, aren't you? Very high, Sam. You can't tell me I've got to go and hang out with fucking hippies without expecting me to reach for me coping mechanisms. This insulate Britain lot, fucking hell, they're insufferable. They're bad enough on Earth Prime, blocking roads and gluing themselves to runways or whatever the fuck else, but out here in the wilds of the multiverse, they're causing actual carnage. You want to see the worst insulate Britain can do? Well, I'm living it, pal. And I'm fucking livid. I'm running so what you could slap a heat pump on me and in a house not specifically built around its use, it'd probably run about a third as efficiently as a conventional boiler. Did you get that, Sam? That was sarcasm. I got it, Daddy. Because as things currently stand, they're only really suitable for new builds and it'll cost tens of thousands to convert older eating systems to accommodate them. 
Yes, Danny, I get it. There are technology in its infancy and you don't approve. I do not! The absolute shit they need to function. Honestly, who's got space for an 100-foot borehole? Apart from your mum, that is. Oh, come on. Now that's just infantile. And you know as well as I do that the approach here is to boost consumer demand and thus drive the sort of investment into this tech that will eventually improve efficiency and drastically lower costs. Oh my god, you're more boring than this set of bastards! Will you stop fucking drumming?! And why is it that whenever I send you out into the multiverse to cover a climate change story, you end up in the middle of a drum circle? Insulate Britain don't even play drums. It's such a lazy, dated stereotype of the crusty eco-warrior that it's borderline offensive, particularly given the fact that the overwhelming scientific consensus now backs the drastic need for the exact sort of action your so-called hippies have been calling for for decades. I don't know, Sam. I just jump through the portal and follow the smell of hemp and falafel until I find some hippies. Whether it's Earth Prime or this place, Earth Delta Foxtrot Carly Ma 666, it's always the same fucking story. Dance with us, Danny. Drum with us, Danny. Ingest these sacred herbs that make you dream about a horned woman with seven faces, Danny. Paint these runes on your naked chest in goat's blood, Danny. Lie down in the centre of the stone circle, Danny, and watch the red moon eclipse the sun, Danny. Watch the guy in a feather headdress wave the obsidian dagger over your heart, Danny, and try to ignore the fact his eyes are entirely white, Danny. Danny, you are definitely not with Insulate Britain. Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, who are these pricks, then? I have no idea, but you sound like you're in mortal danger. Oh, fuck this. Denise, grab the gear. It's happened again. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, and I'm getting the fuck out of here reporting for IC News. I am a lala, oh my lala. I am a lala, oh my lala. As much as Boris Johnson would love to come out of the COP26 summit applauding himself as the influential leader who rallied the world to decisive climate action, this week also served up a chilling reminder of the scale of the challenge. Persuading emerging and industrialised nations to wean themselves off fossil fuels will be a Herculean effort at the best of times, and that's without the realisation that many of the world's largest fossil fuel exporters are still actively downplaying the need to decarbonise. It's a tangled web of intrigue and disinformation, which is why we've asked our youth correspondent David Stanier to simplify it for the kids. Hi kids, it's me again, enthusiastic newsboy David Stanier here to get up at the crack of dawn like the good little early bird I am. It's my job to gobble up the worms of news, before mulching them in my tummy to make them nice and simple to digest. Then I throw them right back up into the eager mouths of you. The youth. Yummy! Cheap, cheap, bloody, pulpy, accessible, nutritious muck. With none of that complicated adult nonsense like nuance. Ooh la dee da Yuck. Ptoo. Not for me, grown-up world. I want Nesquik and Fizzy Pop. You can shove your parimentier potatoes up your hairy old arse. <laughs> Tee-hee. Now, those of you that have been paying attention to my reports, like the good little boys and girls you are, will know that I have already talked to you about the climate and lobbyists. Um, what, Mr David, sir? I must have been nodding off in class, because I don't remember what those words mean. Don't you worry. You might have been an inattentive little tinker, but that's no cause for concern. Total mastery of hypnotic programming through subliminal messaging was all part of my PSYOPs training back at Father's Compound. 
So you'll have been kill them all, taking it in without even realising it. Good old dad. Sometimes I can still remember the way the soles of my bare feet bled as he beat them with jumper cables. <laughs> You'd be surprised how often explosions can knock your shoes clean off, David. One day you might need these calluses to escape over broken glass after a successful mission. <laughs> Silly old dad. Where was I? Oh yeah. Sorry. I was talking about lobbyists before I got distracted by that sweet little road trip down memory lane. Better stop at the gas station for some nostalgia. Oh, get us a pack of opal fruits. But seriously, kids, lobbyists are dicks. And this week, we got a big old leak from some concerned bigwigs that proved that they are bloody everywhere. In just a few days, world leaders will be coming together in Glasgow for COP26. Sounds like an exciting policeman, doesn't it? The explosive sequel to COP25. But it's not. It's a big, boring meeting to try and hammer out international agreements that might just save our planet from a global increase in temperatures that would prove disastrous. But this leak has shown the world that there are still plenty of countries that just aren't interested in moving off fossil fuels. Probably because they make loads of money out of them. Countries like Saudi Arabia, Australia and Japan all tried to push the UN to change their crucial scientific report on what needs to be done. And plenty of others, us in the UK included, make loads of big noises about how much they really want to do, but are still planning on increasing the amount of oil and gas they drill and dig for over the next few decades. And it's not just whole countries that are capable of holding up our big team effort on this. Just look at Senator Joe Manchin over in the US. He's just one man but he's so deep in the pockets of the fossil fuels lobby that the tip of their winky is his nighttime pillow. Night-night, Joe. Enjoy your cheesy dreams. He's pushing to strip nearly all the funding for climate action out of Joe Biden's spending plans. And those two are meant to be on the same team. It's already going to be super hard to save the planet without global cooperation. All it takes is the wrong country setting a bad example at COP26, and absolutely nobody follows suit in doing the right thing. Climate campaigners have faced the ire of the fossil fuel industry for decades now. And as a result, we've just kept drilling and burning and drilling and burning. Soon it's going to be too late. And we're now so close to mucking things up completely that we can't keep kicking the can down the road. We have to keep shouting loud and clear that our leaders must take proper action. Even when there are some countries that really aren't very nice to journalists when trying to protect their interests. The greedy, oily gits. Which brings us on to our goodbye song. It's a little bit different today, kids, because this time the targets are coming to me. Don't tell them, but that's why I've tucked myself away in the dark and filled all the light bulbs in the house with C4 and rusty shrapnel. Thanks for the tip, Daniel Craig, you big handsome brute. Come on, you know the tune by now. Saudi kill team on my phone screen, ring doorbell. Enter hell. Come and lobby me, guys. I'll show you how a man dies. Buzz them in. Buzz them in. Surprise, motherfuckers.
<laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Made a mess again. <laughs> well, that's another deposit I won't get back. No wonder my Airbnb rating's so bad. And would you look at my feet? Looks like I'm gonna have to swing by a shoe shop. Dad wasn't wrong. Hashtag new trainers. I'm David Stanya, and it's time to flee the scene, kids. Reporting for IC News. Now, I know what some of you are inevitably sat at home thinking. This has all been very negative, and unduly critical of politicians that are just trying their best in very difficult circumstances. Can't you just be nice, IC News? Can't we all just get along and tolerate each other's political beliefs and just try and understand that wanting to strip human rights from vulnerable minorities is just a point of view that the dreadful left need to be much more accepting of? Well, you're in luck, dear listener, because here at the network we've heard your legitimate concerns. Following the brutal murder of Sir David Amos last week, we too want to move towards a better way of doing things. Of course, you can't have a balanced, healthy, nuanced debate on how to best introduce a kind of sort of politics without inviting a range of guests from across the political spectrum. First, joining us by telephone and sat firmly on the right, it's our royal correspondent, true blue conservative Sebastian Forlock. It's a pleasure to be here, Sam. And live in the studio, parked firmly on the fence running through the heart of the middle ground, it's passionate centrist Joanne Gordon. Oh, (laughs) Hi. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily on the fence, though. I think that's a little unfair. And because, like all mainstream media, we are thoroughly committed to offering left-wing views a truly impartial airing, here, representing the left, is a rabid honey badger with a photo of Jeremy Corbyn stapled to it. Jesus fucking Christ! Well, that sounds about right. Sebastian, let's start with you. Since the appalling murder of Sir David Amos last week, there's been a lot of talk about... Well, this can't be fucking safe! You're quite right, Joanne. This space isn't safe. Honey Badger, in the spirit of mutually respectful debate, I'd ask you not to interrupt. So much for your broad church, my dear. Hey, look, I'm not a massive fan of the hard left myself, but I don't think it's fair to say that this thing represents them. Thing? Really? See now, Sam, this is what we Conservatives are so concerned about. How can we expect civil discourse from the opposition when they use such dehumanising language? And that's just when they're talking to each other. It's positively abhorrent. It's a fair point, Joanne. It's a fucking honey badger is what it is. I find it remarkable that you come here today with this attitude, Joanne. The point we're trying to make with this segment is that we should all be able to share our political views and debate them respectfully. It doesn't have political views. It has rabies. And this is the sort of cesspit we've descended into, Sam, where one can't even propose legislation without being accused of having some sort of foul disease. When our so-called moderates are accusing the left of rabidity, what hope have we conservatives got? It's no wonder that we can't even penalise disabled benefit claimants into death by starvation or suicide anymore without being heartlessly labelled scum. Steady on now. That's a very cynical way to politicise the aftermath of this tragedy. To suggest that the outraged language inspired by abhorrent policy is somehow worse than the abhorrent policy itself is an awful take. 
And now my take is awful. My stars. This is all just so unnecessarily hostile. I have to agree with Sebastian here, Joanne. Frankly, we've come to expect this sort of aggressive conduct from the fringes of the hard left, but it's surprising to hear it coming from a centrist. Aggressive conduct? Are you serious? Have you heard any of the rhetoric coming from the right and this government about traitors and Ramonas and migrants over the last few years? Well, I do have to throw that one back to you, Sebastian. The Prime Minister himself has had plenty of criticism over his choice of language, hasn't he? Oh, come now, Sam. I think we can all agree that there's a world of difference between hate speech directed at individuals on Twitter and hate speech directed at broad demographics in the Telegraph. That's a fair point. Is it? Just like there's a world of difference between hatefully criticising conservative policy and patriotically and reasonably labelling three judges enemies of the people on the front page of a national newspaper. I can't help but feel like these are all massive double standards. Personally, I agree wholeheartedly with Dan Hodges. We simply must address the visceral hatred of Conservatives at the heart of Labour. It's a positive cancer that causes real harm and endangers our politicians. That's the same Dan Hodges that ran the We Must Kill Vampire Corbyn op-ed, right? Yes, but again, there are some very obvious differences between good old-fashioned editorial humour and needless online hatred. And what are those differences exactly? Well, when the right calls for killing a politician, it's free speech, isn't it? And what's calling conservative scum, then? An act of political violence, obviously. Thank you for illustrating my point. I've got to say, Sam, I'm surprised you're not challenging this more stridently. If I didn't know any better, I think the mainstream media almost trends towards complicity in enabling these sanctimonious hypocrisies from the right. And here it comes, blaming the media. If I didn't know, in my logical centrist heart, that all journalists are completely committed to impartiality, I might even suspect that you're well aware a frothing honey badger isn't representative of the hard left in the slightest. It's almost like journalists continually present the most hostile rhetoric of only one side, while playing softball with the reality of brutal right-wing policy that actually causes very tangible real-world suffering and harm. And now, conservative policy causes very tangible real-world suffering and harm. That is outrageous. It is offensive, it is hurtful and wrong and... and... Sebastian? What, Sam? I don't think you can argue that that claim was hate speech. It was more sort of factual criticism. Oh, sorry. For a moment there, I forgot that nudging the Overton window so far to the right that even factual criticism becomes hate speech is phase two. <laughs> my mistake. Oh, phase two of what, exactly? Nothing. You'll carry on, my dear. Look, I don't want to add to the toxicity of our politics any more than anyone else here. It's just the hypocrisy that I can't stand. What happened to Sir David Amos was undoubtedly an atrocity. But for Marc Francois to stand up in Parliament and point the finger of blame at online hatred is just galling when he's the very same man who drew his finger across his throat at Theresa May and told Remainers that he'd signed their death warrants. Sebastian? Mm. I just thought you might want to rebuff that. Me? Oh, God, no, no. I might gleefully vote for a party of tin-pot authoritarians whose total negligence has slaughtered thousands and who are now seeking to dismantle one of the very foundations of our democracy by enabling Parliament to overrule the judiciary. 
But even I think Marc Francois is a ghastly little cunt. Oh, what do you know? Turns out there are some things we can all agree on. Sebastian, Joanne, rabid honey badger with a photo of Jeremy Corbyn stapled to it. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. (laughs) My pleasure, Sam. And there you have it, everyone. What better way to wrap Season 5 of IC News than with that wholesome message with all signs of the political spectrum coming together in convivial, fraternal spirit. Next week, we'll be bringing you another compilation episode, but don't you fear. We'll return in earnest with the start of Season 6 on November 7th. Until then, we leave you, as always, with the headlines you may have missed. Central Bedfordshire Council warns that schoolchildren are re-enacting violent scenes from Netflix's hit Squid Game, in which desperate, debt-ridden people violently turn on each other instead of on the billionaire class exploiting them for their own amusement. And yes, it is a majority Conservative council, and no, they do not see the irony. Adele soars back to the top of the chart with her latest single, Easy On Me, as she prepares to deliver exactly the sort of jaunty, upbeat soundtrack that our upcoming winter deserves. Rishi Sunak is to announce billions of new funding for tram, train and bus services in England's cities, so that more commuters will have access to a window-seat view of our never-ending spiral of urban decay. And finally, Nigel Farage is tricked into saying pro-IRA slogans twice in one week on Cameo, which is ironic, given that he's usually so against terrorists slipping in under the radar. You've been listening to Season 5 of IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind our bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger me. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.